Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Remember to subscribe to our free podcast so you won't miss any of our illuminating content. Here is episode 215. But what I learned through the process is I don't need any of that stuff. What I really value in life is the time that I spend with people, the experiences that I get to have. Those mean so much more to me than stuff. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the luminous mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Kristen Fogarty Yee. Kristen is a residential architect in Chicago, Illinois. She loves learning about the world through travel, art, and food. As a kid, Kristen's parents decided to take her and her older sister, which was Kate Fogarty, she was episode 208, decided to take them out of the typical American life and live on a sailboat in the Caribbean. Through this experience, Kristen learned that you do not need a traditional education to become educated and carries this into her design work. (laughs) Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. I'm so excited. I mean, we heard some from Kate about this great experience that you guys had, but I'm really excited to learn yours. She's like, you got to talk to my sister because she really, (laughs) really took this to heart. So, But before we get into any of that, I'd love to hear, hear a little bit more of just kind of about yourself. So as you mentioned, I am a residential architect. I've been living in Chicago for the last 15 years and doing that. Um, I live here with my husband and my cat. I really love to travel and learn about people um, through observing and and I really love design. It's really fun following Kristen on Instagram because I love art and she posts a lot of, I mean, it's obviously a passion of hers, some about art, some about her cat. So it's kind of fun. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just really excited to hear more about you and how that educational background really helped to mold you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So when I was young, I grew up in Minnesota uh, in a far western, I guess, southern suburb of Minneapolis. And I went to public school. And Minnesota has great schools. And I learned a lot there. But when I was about halfway through fifth grade, my parents decided to sell everything we own and uh, go live on a boat in the Caribbean. So it really uh, was a completely different experience than what I had experienced up till then. Well, and how did you feel about that, you know, as a fifth grader? <laughs> and uh, all that? I was pretty pissed off. Um, <laughs> I was leaving my friends and it was really going into the unknown and really scary for me, especially since I was the youngest of the ho- household as well. So I just I really didn't know what was happening and I just was really going to miss my friends. And so that that made me upset. But through the experience, I really learned that it was really great. It was really worth it and really worth doing. Well, and Kate talked about um, how you guys did schooling, kind of, you know, your parents didn't want to just pull you out and not do anything. So you were doing some type of remote schooling. Do you want to tell us about that, like how that worked out and, and what you guys ended up doing at the end? Sure. So what I remember about when we left, because we were leaving in the middle of the year, is that we were asked to finish, I think, write two papers on whatever subject we wanted. Um, I don't know if my sister's was different, but I remember that was mine. Yeah. And so I I remember writing a paper on manatees because we had moved to Florida to buy a boat. 
And I had never heard of manatees before. And we were living on the river in Stewart, Florida, and they were talking about manatees. And I became really interested in them. So I wrote a paper about that. And then the other paper, I don't remember what I wrote about for that. That's awesome. Well, and what do you feel like are some really key points? Um, maybe give us like three or four that you really learned from this experience. You know, give us some some great stories and background to that. Oh, there's so many, so many stories. And it's, it's often funny because my stories randomly come up during my daily life often is that something will remind me of some experience I had through living on a boat and uh, meeting different kinds of people. One thing that really affects my work specifically is the idea of energy efficiency. Living on a boat, you're essentially off grid. So you're not connected through TV, internet. Uh, back in the day, we didn't have those sorts of things. Um, but telephones, electricity, you have to think about how you're consuming everything. And so just thinking about how much trash you use or how much water you use really affects you daily on a boat. And now as an architect, I really think about how people in houses consume uh, energy and water and those types of things. Well, and I would imagine that's helped you be a little bit more creative about, you know, how to do our daily lives without consuming so much. Is that right? Or Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as Americans, we really want to have stuff. And for me, living on a small boat, really not having a lot of, I, I didn't have my own room. I shared a room with my sister and our room was about the size of most people's uh, powder rooms. It was very small. Wow. And really, you know, thinking about how much stuff you have. So I currently live in a small apartment by choice. I don't want to have a lot of stuff. And I really like living that way and feeling free that I can, you know, travel around and not worry about my stuff. Well, and I mean, we're hearing a lot about minimalism. Do you feel like, I mean, how do you feel about stuff, I guess? I mean, what did you learn about that through this experience, you know, about the things that we have? I'd love to hear your thoughts on minimalism. I'm kind of going through this now of just like, what, why do, I mean, we cumber ourselves with a lot of stuff that creates a lot of background noise in our minds that we don't really think about. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, uh, absolutely. just, just because of the stuff there. Um, do you want to give yeah. us maybe some thoughts on that minimalism? Sure. Yeah. So when we first left, getting rid of everything was really hard because I was just used to all my stuff. I think it was also very hard for my parents. Um, they had stuff from their families that they had inherited. Um, you know, for me, because I was young, I had lots of toys and those sorts of things. And having to get rid of all that uh, was really hard. But what I learned through the process is I don't need any of that stuff. What I really value in life is the time that I spend with people the experiences that I get to have, those mean so much more to me than stuff. Yeah. Well, and we heard um, like in your bio, we talked about how you you love learning through travel, art and food. And those are all experiences versus like things that you own. But do you want to go back to maybe some of those key points that you felt like you learned? I don't I think I kind of shut you off there, you know, cut you off or we got on a thread. Yeah, so I learned I learned to consume less. I also learned that there's a really big world out there and there's a lot of different kinds of people cuz growing up in Minnesota, there's, you know, in a somewhat rural situation, there's not a lot of different kinds of people. You're around a lot of people like yourself and traveling in the Caribbean, you meet all different kinds of people. You meet people from Europe, people from Australia, people from the Caribbean, uh people from Africa. Um, just all over the world. And I had never been exposed to that before. And really, 
a lot of times how you got to meet know people is people just told stories to each other. We'd often have story times on the boat where people would come over and they'd just talk. And I just learned so much about the world through that. And it really made me want to travel and meet more people and see more stuff. Because every time I go somewhere, I really learn something that I bring back to my home life and everything I do. That's awesome. Well, and and do you feel like maybe there were some challenges? I mean, we talked about that at the beginning that you were pretty ticked off with your parents, you know, about pulling you out and taking you from your friends. But what were some challenges that you had with this experience? And uh, what did you feel like you learned from that? Well, a challenge that I had just because of my age, a lot of the people that we met, there weren't a lot of kids my age. Um, There were a few my sister's age and older Uh, So I got to know people that were older and I really, I think in a way became more mature that way because just hanging out and learning stories and learning about, I don't, I don't know how to explain that, I guess, but that was also very lonely at times for me because I was the youngest. You kind of found people who had like really, really young kids or more of like the 16 year old kids. And so for me, I was, it was a little bit lonely sometimes. Yeah. Did you feel like protected in a way though, because sometimes as a youngest and and we've learned through multi-age learning that the youngest is actually people really try to protect that person. Or did you feel like you were, I mean, that they were kind of forcing you to grow up? I kind of feel, I, I didn't really feel protected, I guess. I guess me and my sister are so close in age that, I don't know, in a way I felt sometimes like I was protecting her because she's a much more outgoing person and I was a much more shy person that sometimes I'd have to remind her to settle down a little bit, I guess. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So do you feel like there were other challenges that you might've had with this experience other than the age difference? I don't think so. It's hard to remember, you know, I'm sure there were more challenges. Now I think about it so nostalgically that I think I forget about those things that were very challenging for me as a young person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and do you want to give us like an idea? I mean, Kate kind of talked about, you know, you started out, it was like this formal curriculum. And then finally, you guys kind of revolted and you went to more of kind of this, um, a new term that we're using now is kind of an unschooling thing where you're whatever, like your interest in manatees is kind of leading you, okay, I want to learn more about that. And you kind of direct yourself in your learning. Do you want to kind of give us an idea of, of how you felt like that education? Because that's a challenge in and of itself, I think, sometimes to go from being told what to learn to all of a sudden, okay, I'm just learning whatever. Yeah. And I think for me, I really liked that because I never, as a young person, I really didn't like school. I mean, I was fine at, at school and I got decent grades, but I just was very uninterested in it because I found it boring. So we started off doing a correspondence school. And were really old and the knowledge was just the book I believe the books were from the 1950s so we're sort of reading through these and my parents are going wait this is stuff I learned in school and we learned that it's not correct anymore and it was just overwhelmingly boring when we were being exposed to all these different things and I'm a person that's very curious and I I just sort of if I want to learn something about something, or if I'm interested in something, I just kind of learn a ton about it. So for example, I got really interested in the different flags that people had on boats for the different countries that they came from. And so I ended up memorizing a book of, you know, like a hundred flags or something. And just, you know, 
I mean, I would have never had the opportunity to learn about that in school, but I think it really taught me about being curious about the world out there. Flags are very graphic, so they're very artistic. You know, I really liked having, being able to choose what I wanted to learn. And I found that I ended up doing that in college a lot more as well, is that I sort of would negotiate with professors and be like, you know, I'm actually really interested in this. Can I, can you learn about this instead? And, and people were open to that. Yeah, that's, and that they probably appreciated that because at least you're showing some interest in something, you know, instead of being told what to do. Yeah. Right. So, and how do you feel like, like with the travel and the art and the food, how do you feel like that really helps to educate a person, like through those experiences, like we talked about, instead of just things that we own? So I always find when I talk to people about what kind of food they like, they really open up and they really share something special about their life with you. I was recently in Singapore with my husband and we had, uh, my husband had been at a conference this summer and met a man from Singapore and he said, oh, when you get there, you should call my dad and hang out with him. And so we did. And the first thing he did is he took us for breakfast and introduced us to all this food that we were never exposed to. And it just, it, it made everyone comfortable. And we really learned about their culture. We asked about, you know, is this traditional food? And it, it was really so much fun to do that. That's awesome. I've never really thought about that. But yeah, and a lot of times with food, especially we, we have experiences that are tied with that food. So you do learn some intimate stories. Right. Right. I mean, so many times we associate gatherings with food and so many cultures, you know, they may not have money or other things, but they show love and care through food. And I always just find that really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's something everyone needs to do. Everyone likes to eat. And, you know, it, it immediately helps you put your guard down. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and how do you feel like like with travel? I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of an easy thing to understand how you would learn because you're just put in a different environment. And then, you know, your senses are all enlarged and all of that. But how do you feel like art really helps educate a person? Well, I think art is, I think that's hard to explain too. Art's one of those things that everyone responds different to it. So someone may like something that another person really doesn't like, but it's really about just causing that delight inside a person that I really love. And I love, I love wandering around the streets of a city that I've never been to and seeing sort of the graffiti art that's on the walls or any sort of posters that may be hanging. And it, you just learn what the people are interested in the area through those types of art that they're showing. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, my kids and I joke about the art that we saw, you know, when we've, when we've traveled abroad, (laughs) you know, their graffiti is obviously very different from American graffiti, you know, (laughs) type of thing. And it's fun to, to kind of, I mean, those are the things that we talked about was kind of the graffiti and the difference between those types of, you know, the things that were important to people. So that's great. Yeah. And and what do you really love about travel? I mean, tell me, where have you traveled? I mean, obviously, we you've lived in the Caribbean, and then you talked about Singapore, but any other great places that maybe you've traveled to? Uh, sure. Yeah, I got married in Italy, so I have a special place in my heart for Italy, um, and their food is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't go um, wrong with their food. <laughs> right, right. It, and it's beautiful. I mean, such a beautiful country. And then let's see, I went to Cambodia and built houses with Habitat for Humanity. And that was a really amazing experience Uh, to be able to meet local people and really see how the culture lives 
and get to meet people and know them personally was very nice. And see Angkor Wat, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. And as an architect, it was just phenomenal to see. Oh, yeah. I visited my sister when she lived in Norway. And then I've, you know, I've been several places in Europe. I love Japan. I've been there a couple of times. Hong Kong. uh, It just, I wish I could go everywhere. My my next goal is to go to New Zealand because I haven't been there. Oh, wow. Let's see. Well, we've you've touched on pretty much every continent. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I haven't been to Africa. Oh, so, no, or Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> that one's kind of a hard one to get a yeah. pass to go to, to for sure. Yeah, I'm not I'm not eager to do that because I don't love the cold. Well, and do you feel like, I mean, a lot of people, especially in the U.S., um, you know, there's kind of this nationalist uh, feeling going on where we just want to be concerned where, with ourselves. But sometimes when you've traveled a little, you feel a little bit more like you are a world player and it makes you less scared to go visit other people. Does that make sense? Like like if you're just yeah. here, you you have a fear of people that are different than you. How do you feel like that that's really helped you? I mean, especially at such a young age. I mean, did you ever have that that fear of traveling? Yeah, I mean, before we had been in the Caribbean, I I guess I never really thought about it because I was so young. And but I I guess I had fears of people that I didn't know and now I mean, just I know so many different kinds of people. My husband's Korean. And I can't imagine if I grew up in Minnesota and had never left, would I have married someone that's Korean? I, I don't know. I really think when you when you leave, you get to step out of your regular life and really get to see that we are global. We are we are not just countries. We are actually a planet of people, and that we should really be kind to each other. Yeah. I always find that really important. Uh, sometimes I feel like our countries get in the way of us really um, loving each other better. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the politics gets in there and, and then it helps us like be a little bit more standoffish in in a situation that maybe we'd feel a lot more empathy for people that lived in a different place than us. For sure. Right. That's awesome. Right. Well, tell me, how do you feel like your overall paradigm has changed with time and experience? You know, how do you feel like, you know, from being a a fifth grader to now, you know, especially learning and all of those things, how do you feel like you've changed in that way? When I was young, I always, I was scared of a lot of things. And I think still as an adult, I'm really scared of things, but I find that I have to push myself to do those things that scare me because it makes life so much more interesting. So I think in that way, I've changed a lot. Uh, maybe before you withdrew, but now you've realized that maybe uh, sometimes, I mean, I actually heard that that's really a healthy mindset to get to of like, okay, this scares me, but I'm going to jump off anyway. You know, that we recognize the fear there instead of letting it stop us, it, it propels us forward, that that's something we need to do versus, you know, letting it stop our, our progress. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I especially see that at work. I mean, I find that people get afraid to make decisions about things. And it's really important just to make a decision. It's it's okay if it's wrong, but it's not okay not to make a decision about something. Yeah. And sometimes we stop other people because we're not willing to make a decision that can't, you know, the whole project can't move forward. Right. Type of thing. Awesome. Yeah. So in your bio, we talked about how you are a residential architect in um, Chicago. I just want to hear like what educational avenues you use to get where you are now. And if you feel like that was kind of unique from what you might have done in, you know, if you would have had this experience. 
Sure. So after we returned from the Caribbean, uh, we moved back to Minnesota and both my sister and myself went back into public school. And we just kind of, I don't remember having to take any tests or anything like that. We just kind of said, oh, yeah, we finished those grades that we never went to. Um, and people often ask me, they're like, oh, do you feel that you missed every, anything from not going to seventh grade? And I'm like, well, I don't know the state capitals, but I think I, I'm okay. I, I graduated <laughs> college, so I, I think it worked out. <laughs> That's interesting. But yeah, so we went into public school and immediately I just found it really boring. I wasn't learning about things that I wanted to learn about. And I've always had a strong interest in art. And so my sister and I ended up meeting this guy who went to an art school for high school, and he recommended that we try to go there. And so my sister applied and she got in for writing. And then the next year I applied and I got in for visual art. So I finished off my high school, my last few years of high school, going to an art school where I studied art for two hours every single day we had studio in addition to our regular academic classes, but they always made the academic classes relate back to the different art areas so that people were more interested in learning about those particular things. And I really enjoyed that process. It really made it much more interesting to me to learn because I'm not a person who likes to take tests and those sorts of read books and, you know, learn through that method. I really am a hands-on person and I really need it to relate to things that I understand. And art was one of those things that really worked for me. That's awesome. Um, um, so then after that, I decided not to go to college right away. So I took a year off, uh, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Because my parents are like, well, if you want to go to school for art, you know, you do know you have to pay for that yourself. And it's really expensive to do that. And then you have to get a job after that to pay for that expensive school. So you should think about what you want to do. And so um, after a year, I went to community college for a year and again, found it pretty boring, but it was really cheap. So that I just took my general classes and then I went to the U University of Minnesota and I studied art and I really liked that. I liked that I got to choose uh, my classes and I always made sure, you know, even when I have to take my required academics, I made sure to take at least one fun class a semester um, that I really enjoyed. So I did that. And then I decided in the middle of that, that I had met, um, I was dating a guy whose aunt was an architect. And she, we were talking about the type of art that I did. I was moving towards doing more um, computer animation and inventing spaces, installation kind of art, like big places that you'd walk into. So sort of architectural sounding things. And she's like, well, what you do kind of sounds architectural. Have you ever thought about taking architecture classes? And I was like, no, maybe I will. And so then I took a couple architecture classes and I really liked it. And then I decided to take a year off again, uh, just to take a break from school. And I moved to Chicago for a year and I really loved it here. But I did go back and completed and decided to finish off my degree in architecture. And then I moved back here after I completed that. That's awesome. And do you feel like there was anything kind of out of the norm with uh, your education that you were like pursuing for yourself? I mean, you talked about really challenging your professors, you know, and like, okay, I'd rather study this than that. Do you feel like there were other ways that maybe your background kind of helped you be a little more self-directed in that avenue? Yeah, so I actually ended up graduating with a double major in art and architecture. 
And so for me, it was really about figuring out how I could use the skills that I already have to complete my degree the quickest way possible um, and take the least amount of classes. Because my real goal was to get done with school and start working. Because for me, I'm a hands-on person. I like to be doing something instead of just sitting in the classroom. And so I negotiated with professors that, oh, this class should count for this requirement for art and this requirement for architecture. So I don't have to take two classes. I should only have to take one. Um, I also, they had a requirement to get into the architecture program for college level physics. And I had done college level physics in high school and they didn't really, they didn't see that that was valid when you went to college. And so I contacted my teacher from high school and he gave me all the syllabus information and everything. And I shared that with my professors and they agreed that I did not need to take physics. So I was able to get out of that. That's cool. And so really just yeah. figuring out ways that, you know, I knew what my end goal was and figuring out the stuff that I already know and how to be able to, I don't know how to say this quite right. Just figuring out the best way for me to get to where I wanted to be. Before we go on, please listen to these messages. If you enjoy this content, you can help us with as little or as much as you'd like over at patreon.com backslash the luminous mind. These funds help us to continue to produce illuminating content with needed equipment and resources to spread the message of changing the educational paradigm. We appreciate all the ways our listeners help us continue this effort through patreon.com backslash the luminous mind by expanding exclusive content, giving away gifts, and giving patrons first seen products on patreon.com backslash the luminous mind. with Christine Fogarty-Yee, learning through travel, art, and food. Well, you talked about being an introvert, but you really sound very bold in what you were doing. I mean, I know a lot of college students that would just, whatever the professor says, they would just go, oh, okay, and then even though that didn't fit with what they want to do and just go ahead and, you know, whatever, but you're like, it sounds like you were very um, confident, at least, to question those assumptions, you know? Yeah, and I think part of that is because I was paying for my own school that, you know, taking classes that I already knew how to do that kind of thing seemed like a waste of time and money to me. Yeah. And so that kind of bothers me. <laughs> that kind of bothers me about traditional school sometimes is that oftentimes, you you know, they make these requirements and people sit in class and they just kind of go through the motions, but they're not really learning or getting any value of it when they could be doing something that that's better for them and helps them learn better. Yeah. Healthier for their, their mindset for sure. (laughs) Right. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to hear how you feel like 
we kind of talked about it a little with this, the sustainability of, you know, how we're living and those types of things. But do you ever feel like there's ways that this background really helped um, your educational avenues helped you to get where you are now? I mean, how are you implementing your current educational philosophy into your work of kind of being more self-directed? Part of my job is actually, you know, I have to be part of a team and I have younger members on my team. I have older members on my team. and as an architect, you also you have to rely a lot on a contractor and different personalities. And it's really about figuring out ways to communicate people. And I think I learned a lot about that as a young kid being in the Caribbean, talking to all these different kinds of people. It, it really, I learned through the idea of communication. And mm-hmm. so at my job, I mean, I go to a job site and I have to talk to a contractor and explain what I'm trying, what my design goals are, or explain my drawings a bit better to them. And, you know, figuring out their goals and working together to meet our clients' needs. Or if something comes up in construction that there's a problem, it's how to, you know, figuring out ways to work together to resolve them. And I always feel that everyone is able to learn. And you just have to approach it with kindness and respect. I've had in the past where I've had people that I work for who just just assume that you don't know anything and that you can't learn anything. And I just think that's a really bad attitude to have. Yeah. Well, and that kind of comes with that travel too. I mean, where you meet so many different people and you realize that in, in a lot of ways, they're a lot like you. You know what I mean? I mean, I think right. that helps you have better communication skills just to that understanding of like, this person is a person that has value just like I do. And maybe uh, breaks down those walls. I mean, kind of what we were saying before of the differences that people have with them. It helps us see people in more empathetic ways. Yeah. I mean, I so often I go onto a job site and I'm dealing with people that don't have a college education, but that doesn't mean that I'm smarter than them in any way. I, I'm not in a lot of ways. And I learn so much um, from all the trades people that I work with because they're very well skilled in their professions. They're very knowledgeable about it. And it's really, um, they educate me and I educate them. And I feel like it's an ongoing process constantly to be learning. You don't learn those types of skills in school. Yeah, definitely. Well, and do you feel like too, I mean, it sounds like your parents raised you kind of in more of a humble uh, setting anyway. I mean, Kate kind of talked about that. I mean, the whole idea that you had to pay for your college and, you know, they weren't, they weren't the type of parents that, that were just there like hovering over you. They're not the typical helicopter parents type of thing, but it, it just sounds like that's kind of who you are anyway. But I really wonder if all of your experiences with travel has helped to create a little bit of that humility. Like, you don't have this ageism or this educational, like I'm superior than you, but that you've kind of learned that you can learn from anyone. Do you feel like that that's true? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I try to approach every project that I work on that I'm learning something new and I, you know, I learn from my clients. I learn. Yeah. I mean, everyone has something to add to it. Yes. So, well, sometimes over-educating yourself um, creates a little bit of arrogance in a way. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, you're an architect and look at me and all that kind of stuff where it sounds like you definitely have more of a humble attitude about it, that you right. recognize educational value in anything. Right. 
And I really, I really try to, I try not to have the attitude that I know everything because I certainly don't know everything. And I think that makes you, you're not going to move forward if you have that attitude either, because there's so many things, things are constantly changing in this world anyway, that it's really important to embrace, embrace other people and how other people feel and other people's knowledge. And I don't know, I I like being a team player. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it goes back to that uh, learning. I mean, all of that creates a better communication skills for sure. So, right. So, and I want to hear um, maybe a little bit more about how you serve other people. You're resident architect. Uh, you work for a firm. I mean, tell us some of those type of things. I really try to be really thoughtful about how I design play- the spaces that my clients have asked me to design. So I, I design houses for people. So they're very intimate spaces. It's really, I really try to be very thoughtful about how people live in these spaces because they're the way, these are the places they're raising their children. They're going to have family memories there. I don't know. I really try to put a lot of thought and um, care into the work that I do and really take pride in the way that I think about how my clients live or how they can live and really enjoy their families to the most through architecture. And it sounds strange because I think people who aren't in architecture don't really think about it. And so I remember having this conversation uh, with a client of mine for an addition that we were adding for a family room. And she's like, oh, I want the fireplace off to the side and blah, blah, blah. And I was explaining to her why I thought that was not the most successful way to do that. And I was explaining to her how she was going to move through her house once this addition was there. And, you know, at a certain point, she's like, okay, I just need to trust you. And then after it was built, she's like, I'm so glad I listened to you because now I see, I see what you were saying. You, you really affect the way my family lives on a daily basis. We hang out here. We spend more time together. We have dinner together. We never did that before. Oh, wow. We created those spaces for us. And so those are things that I really love about my job. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And, and I think like being an architect, I mean, I have some background in design and it's really, it's hard to take like something that you see on paper and how that's going to affect your daily life. I mean, you, I love architecture for that reason that you do a drawing, you do the drawings and stuff, but you really have to think about how it's all going to come together basically and be a 3D image versus what's on your drawing. Right. And, and sometimes that's hard to explain to people. Oh, it's a hundred percent hard to explain to people. <laughs> a, a 2D drawing is very abstract. And so many of my clients, they're really amazing, smart people and they're very successful in their industries. But, you know, they come, lots of them work in finance or they work, um, as lawyers or doctors and they just don't understand drawing. And so they have to put a lot of trust in, you know, us that they have hired to do their project and trying to explain a 2D drawing. It, I often have to try to educate them on on that, and it's really challenging sometimes. Yeah. You probably carry a tape measure around. Do you realize how much space this is, or how you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I've often um, thought about creating a website uh, showing, calling um, when clients draw, because they oftentimes like to take my drawings and then you know go, "What if we do this or that?" And it's often very different than uh, I would approach. <laughs> Usually they don't understand size and scale. Yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, like I said, I've done design work before, so I totally get that. So tell me, are there any books that you would recommend and why would you recommend those? 
I have to be honest, I'm not a big reader, so I don't have books that I would recommend. Do you have maybe um, like places you travel that you'd recommend and why? I mean, anything that you feel like would be a good recommendation for somebody. (laughs) I really like Japan. I think that's a great country that is so different than America. And it's a really nice, safe country to go to. And the people are very kind. I think that's a great place for people, especially if they haven't traveled a lot and they're a little nervous about it. It really immerses you. They don't speak a lot of English, but you can get around pretty easily. And it's just so different than America. Well, and how is it different? I mean, when we see, when I see pictures, I'm like, you know, looks like skyscrapers and all the same stuff that we would have here. How do you feel like it's different? So it's very interesting. So in a city like Tokyo, they, where we have our main retail on the first floor, they often do, but they also, because land is so valuable, they have retail in the basement. They have retail all the way up, you know, eight floors up. Oh, wow. um, that we typically don't see here in America. Mm-hmm. We're used to, you know, walking in that first floor. Maybe there's a store on a second floor, but you oftentimes don't go into basements and find these amazing stores. And I did that in Japan and it was, really awesome. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. And I didn't really think about like with the space. I mean, that's one thing. Um, that is one way that traveling helps you. I remember the first time I went abroad and I was like, wow, I don't think my car, cause I, you know, I'm living in Idaho where I'm driving this huge, you know, all terrain vehicle could even fit down the street. And, and sometimes we take that for granted, like, um, how much space we have here in America versus like what the rest of the world has to deal with, you know, and understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what other people find so interesting about America is that we have this vast land that we, I really haven't seen in other countries. Yeah. They probably have that in Russia, but maybe they don't have the, the, uh, yeah. the, well, anyway. they may not have the, I think we have such an interesting road system here that you really don't see, you know, our mass highway system that they built really created that avenue for traveling within the country as well. Yeah. And then there's other, I also miss the fact that we don't have a rail system either, you know, that you can just jump on the train and head to the <laughs> next town. Cause that is kind of a cool thing about other places in the world, you know, that their train system is a little different than ours too. So. Yeah. I'm fortunate that I live in Chicago and I actually, I haven't owned a car in probably 15 years. Oh, wow. Um, I actually get around mostly on my bike and public transportation. So I, I really, you're right. I mean, what's great about other countries that have big rail systems is that you can easily get around without a car. Yeah, that's great. Well, do you feel like there's any habits that you have in your personal life that have been really helpful for you to be successful? I always try to, like, I can't convince other people to do something all the time, but I can try things myself. So I always try to do things and lead by example. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, especially in learning, we've kind of gotten to this place where we feel like we can force people to do things. And then we wonder why they don't want to be there, you know, especially like kids in the educational system or, or even within our political system, we find like, we're just frustrated that, uh, that our force on people doesn't lead them to where we want them to go. Do you know what I mean? Like, and right. I, I love the idea of like, you know, that's really what we've got to do is lead by example. I mean, if you're really passionate about the environment, you have to lead by example. It has to start like within yourself versus just forcing it on other people. Right. Or, I'm trying to think of another 
Oh, what's another thing that people like to force? I mean, just like there are a lot of their own personal values and opinions. I mean, and religious people do that too, you know, where they force like their whole uh, sense of morality on somebody else that maybe doesn't feel that same way. Right. Yeah. And I even think about it in the terms of design too, is that sometimes I can't convince clients to change the way that they think something has value because the market doesn't have value or they're thinking about resale value of a home. I try to have the attitude, yes, it was like that in the past, but we can we can be better and we can make different choices and we can create change. And so I try to make decisions in the stuff that I do for my personal self. So for example, my husband and I own a building and we needed to redo the front facade of it. People would think, well, do the thing that, you know, makes it valuable real estate wise and, you know, get a certain kind of brick and do this. And I was like, well, I think it adds value to be unique and interesting. So I approached it from a different point of view and chose a different kind of brick and did something very creative and very different. And so when you see it on the street, it stands out and it's unique. Wow. Um, whereas you're trying to blend it and meet the, the, the norms and the standards. Yeah. Well, and, and when it is your own personal space, I mean, yeah, thinking of resale value is, is neat. I mean, that's kind for the other person, but you have to live and deal within that space. I mean, just, and just like your building, if, if you have to approach it every day and you find it not interesting to you, what's the value? I mean, I think it's weird the things that we put value on anymore. I mean, we put more value on somebody else's opinion versus our own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I often, so, I sometimes have projects that are on, you know, kitchen walks and things like that. So I get to talk to people that come through and ask questions about, oh, do you think I should do this to my house and blah, blah, blah. And I I remember once I had this woman come up to me and she said, you know, I moved into my house and I hated the countertops and I've hated them for so long. Do you think I should change them? I'm like, how long have you lived there? And she's like, 20 years. I'm like, that's a long time to hate your house. Yeah. And and so to live with I, that anger. I mean, that kind of goes with that minimalism discussion that we had before. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's surprising to me that, you know, people, they think about, you know, they think about money in such a different way than actual enjoying space. And I think, I think people need to think about that different. Yeah. And the, and the, Sometimes we don't understand how the emotions are affecting our life. I mean, she may hate the countertop, but that might spiral into to n- carrying that negative emotion into something else in her life, you know, that might have a negative in- impact on her right. like, with her relationships. So Right. Or even the opposite. If she had replaced those, she might have every day just looked at them and been so happy. And it just changed her step every day that yeah. she was just a little bit happier. I love that. It's a very great conversation. <laughs> so, so tell me, what do you feel like your long-term goals are and how's that going to work into the legacy that you hope to leave? It's interesting. So I'm I'm approaching the age that my parents were when they decided to, you know, leave the typical life and move on and try something different. And so my husband and I have started talking about doing stuff like that and we haven't figured it out yet. So I don't know what my long-term goals are. I guess my long-term goals are to live an interesting life that I enjoyed and I don't regret. And then I guess the legacy that I'd like to leave is just as human beings, we know how to be better people and do things better. And we should really focus on being nice to each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Well, do you feel like uh, there is any parting words for our listeners? You know, maybe um, there's a lot of parents and stuff within our audience. What advice would you give to them maybe of, uh, you know, how to raise kids or, I mean, sometimes that's hard to do <laughs> when you're not raising kids, but, but right. maybe like through your background, some of the things that you learned. So sure. parting words of advice for our listeners and then give us your contact information. Okay. I guess for parents, I would think that it's really important to encourage your kids and listen to them and find what they're interested in and somehow relate that to other things that they may have to learn. I don't think that's coming out quite how I mean that. No, I mean, um, if you're wanting your, I'm wondering if you're trying to say, like, if you're wanting uh, your kids to learn something, to try to make it relatable to something that they already love. Is that kind of what you Yeah, exactly. There? Yeah, exactly. Again, I was a person that I don't, I don't test, I don't like taking tests. I never did well at that, but it didn't mean that I wasn't smart. And I think it's really imp- important to encourage your children to let them know that it's okay that just because you're not good at taking tests or maybe you're not good at a certain subject that you're still really smart and you still will have opportunities in the world and you still are important. Yeah. Well, and I think that kind of relates back to the conversation we were just having of how we let we let what other people think influence how we purchase things, you know, the construction that we do on our homes. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, we are letting too many people care about what you know, their feelings in inflect our life more than we should. Yeah. Well, and I look at your parents too. Um, you were talking about wanting to be an example for other people, um, and kind of lead by example type of thing. And they really did that. You know, they, they didn't, I can't imagine like what they did where they pulled you out of school and they're like, we're going to just travel and be in the Caribbean. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure that they would have felt from other people and, and all of that kind of thing too. So I, think you learned so much from them in that regard. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And my, my husband and I talk about this a lot because his parents were very bold too, is that they left their country of Korea when he was three and came to America. And I just, I just think about how strong and how bold you have to be to make decisions like that. Yeah. And not care what, what right. necessarily that person's thinking for sure. So that's right. Great. Or just sort of jump into it without knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, it takes a lot of faith, but like, okay, are we moving in the right direction for sure? Yeah. Well, and can you give us your contact information? How our listeners who get in touch with you? I'd love, I mean, following her on Instagram is just a lot of fun. And I hope you post a picture of your building, the outside of your building. I'd love to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I'll I'll do that. Um, So my email is kristen.fogarty at gmail.com. And then... On Instagram, I'm just Kristen Fogarty Yee. Great. Uh, it's been fun talking to you, Kristen. Um, again, her contact information is Kristen Fogarty um, at gmail.com, and her Instagram account is Kristen Fogarty Yee. We are going to be sure to link all of that information as well as other things that we've discussed today on our website as well. But thank you so much, Kristen, for joining us and to helping light our minds on fire on this really important topic of education. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. To learn more about Kristen Fogarty Yee, go to our show notes at theluminousmind.net. Be sure to become a subscriber to our free email list and help us continue production of illuminating content by sponsoring us at patreon.com backslash theluminousmind. 
To get exclusive content, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, and now Instagram. To help us grow, consider these easy ways. Tell your friends about us, leave us a review, share our content. Tell us how we can help you so together we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education. 